When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of smoking audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. You're listening to Waiting on Reparations, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm Lingua Franca. I'm Dope Knife. And we are Waiting on Reparations. So this week, I mean, I feel like things still feel pretty bleak. Yeah, we're getting a new president, uh, a president that uh, told, you know, billionaire (laughs) hedge fund assholes of nothing's fundamentally going to change under his presidency. Uh, so, I mean, like, that doesn't give me a ton of hope. Um, fascism doesn't just go away when Donald Trump leaves the White House and still we have to confront those threats, you know, both to the body politic and to our literal bodies in the streets and in our homes um, until we figure out, as we spoke of in previous episodes of recent, that, uh, you know, a suite of policies to, like, heal the nation more so than rhetoric can. And so I personally feel like it'll be nice this week to take a lighthearted turn from the usual gloom and doomership that I think comes with the reality of grappling with public policy in America and the way it has inflected hip hop. Am I talking about stuff that just brings us to joy? Um, I know you, Mac, just um, are really into comic books and cinema and things like that. And so today we're going to take a swirl, take a twirl, <laughs> take a twirl around the world of Afrofuturism, um, both in its embodiment through comic books, through video games. We're going to speak with in the video game con world. Um, how we got into that and sort of what brings some joy in those regards, as well as kind of unpack what Afrofuturism is and speak briefly about how it can inflect our politics 
um, and the way that it's represented in the music genre of hip hop as well from artists like Wu-Tang Clan, MF Doom, Missy Elliott, Janelle Monet, people like that. The term Afrofuturism was coined by cultural critic Mark Derry in a 44-page essay from 1993 entitled Black to the Future, in which Derry, who admittedly is a white author, interviews several prominent Black voices from musician and former Village Voice writer Greg Tate to Trisha Rose, director of the Center for Study of Race and Ethnicity in America, Brown, who's also written extensively on hip-hop, um, sci-fi writer uh, Samuel Delaney, and drawn from these interviews, Derry came up with the idea of speculative fiction that treats African-American themes and addresses African-American concerns in the context of the 20th century technoculture as Afrofuturism. Um, more generally, beyond um, our you know, basic sense of speculative fiction as like science fiction, like, oh, dystopia, dreaming of a future, but it's also signification that appropriates images of technology. Um, so, um, Within hip hop, as an example, uh, you've got beatboxing, making these computer uh, computerized sounds with your mouth, or replicating the sounds of a drum machine physically with your tongue and your cheeks and your throat, uh, or you know, doing the robot dance to like make your physical corporal corporeal form mimic that of like of like a of a mechanized creature. Um, even in the scratching and sampling methods of hip-hop, it's like this specific misuse and conscientious desecration Delaney um, said of Afrofuturism hip-hop. It's um, the specific misuse and conscientious desecration of the artifacts of technology and inter- entertainment media. So this blending of Afro-diasporic aesthetics and perspectives um, through the use of technology. And so that's why, I mean, some might say that it's a stretch to include like graphic novels broadly, but particularly with regards to video games to like place the black body, the, you know, black character within a technologically created world, um, on the screen, each control with your little controller, etc. Like, I think is an extension to that to some degree. Um, as well as in graphic novels like Black Panther, um, where you've got this technologically advanced society, um, you know, like the way that those less than literary forms like comic books can also be used to imagine a different present, you know, a different 21st century, as well as a different future um, enhanced by technology. Um and then, you know, if you want to think just general, like Afrofuturistic works, of course, uh, people like OG Octavia Butler novels come to mind, as well as, you know, literary trends that remain alive and well today with the likes of Nettie Okorafor's Binti series of novellas. We've got the art of Jean-Michel Basquiat. Within music, you've got like the funky extraterrestrial mythos of like Parliament Funkadelic. Delchon 3030, Cool Keith, Within Jazz, you've got Sun Ra. Um, 
Sun Ra, especially, you know, he's got the space-age Egyptian alien thing going on. You've got the incorporation of digital synthesizers, so you have the literal technology as like a medium through which these sounds are being created. Um, and then, you know, I think the most modern, popular, block-busting uh, incarnation of Afrofuturism, and I think what brought it into like contemporary conversation was, of course, Black Panther. Um, I, you know, feel like I would be remiss musically not to mention groundbreaking work of people like Missy Elliott, particularly in her music videos from the 90s that like felt very, you know, today feel very retro futuristic, but at the time had a very like space sagey ahead of its time vibe. And then today people like Janelle Monet, um, with her like weird obsession with androids, things like that, Afrofuturists are reimagining uh, public policy through um, that Afro-diasporic blended with techno technology lens. Um, in 2016, Afrofuturist and art curator Ingrid Lafleur threw a hat in the ring for the Detroit mayor's race, collecting. 500 petition signatures needed to get her name on the ballot to challenge Mayor Mike Duggan, the first white mayor in the majority black city since 1973. And akin to some of the spitting images guests we've had on this show, people like Shad Batar and Paperboy Prince, Lafleur credited her unconventional background as an art curator and someone that identifies closely with Afrofuturism. Um, to reimagine, you know, what, what that meant for her ability to reimagine the role of politician. She said, as a curator and artist, I've learned how to bring people together to solve problems creatively um, and to be a good organizer and a good researcher. Um, her platform included plans to focus on um, ending water shutoffs, stopping city foreclosures, revitalizing and beautifying neighborhoods and in eradicating poverty. As a native Detroiter, Lafleur also co-facilitates the Detroit Culture Council, which organizes strategies for artists to be better represented within city government. And what I really love about Lafleur's campaign is that she launched her campaign with a dance party called Detroit at the Future at the headquarters of Creative Activist Collective One Mile. And it featured Afrofuturist space capsule uh, created by Detroit architecture and design firm from a cookie like what a way to fucking I mean that's what I'm all about it's just like making politics making politics fun making it a party somehow um and so I just really love that but I hope in um subsequent episodes there's a Afrofuturist collective in Atlanta that has been really uh central to things like the push to close the Atlanta jail and reimagine that space as like a wellness center and like a community building space. Um, and I would really love to talk to them about their work. So we'll dive more into the political implications of Afrofuturism, hopefully in an episode to come. But today we're going to focus on the fun shit, the nerd shit, and we're going to speak with rapper Megaran along the way. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. 
on demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. So we're here with rapper, producer, master showman, and now author of a brand new memoir, uh, Dream Master, I want to give a welcome to Raheem Jarbo, a.k.a. Mega Ran. Yo. I, always, I always joke that like I wish this was live so there would be like an audience for when I like introduce like, people. You and- applause, you get like the, you know, the gunshots or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? For real. <laughs> so how are, you, how are you doing, man? I'm good, man. Uh, you know, made it limp through a crazy year you know how that goes yeah but um you know just i've been i learned a lot throughout this past year so just been learning to apply it and uh and making the most of the situation you know the reinvention and uh, just finding new you know sources of inspiration and creativity have been a challenge but um but you know it's something that i I welcome so it's just making the most of it, you know? I feel you. So how long have you been working on the memoir? Man, this has been like five, six years oh, Okay. of me just, you know, I write a chapter here, a paragraph there, you know, um, up until literally uh, November 24th, I was still writing because, um, we, you know, as, as a writer, like it's never really perfect, you yeah. know, until it's, you know, even when it comes out, you're like, oh man, I could have said this way and did this yeah. You know, so uh, I, I was like in an over editing phase. But every time them- I read it, I was like, oh, yeah, I could add a little more. Oh, yeah, I can say this. I forgot about that. So even <laughs> now that it's done, I'm like, man, I forgot to talk about Scribble Jam yeah. or, or this, this, this particular moment that was really big to my, 
life. But uh, my editor gave me a lot of great advice. She was like, save it for the next book. You know, uh, like, think about it that way. Like, anything so you, definitely, you, you definitely think you're going to do a next book? There's got to be a next book, I guess. <laughs> you know, there's, you know, like, there's always a next album, you know, like when you make movies, you're thinking about sequels and stuff. Yeah. So, you know, so it, it helped me to think differently about it. Like, this doesn't have to be the final piece, you know well, what I'm did, saying? Like, did anything about the, like, you know, did anything about 2020 kind of light a fire of urgency to, to at least get this first oh, part of it done? Absolutely. I was like, man, the world is up in smoke. Like, <laughs> I better hurry up. We may not have a world left. And also, like, um, you know, on a serious note, my, my father passed this past year. And um, that really got my butt in gear, too, because um, the, the book ends at 2018. It was like at a very particularly great moment, like a high to end the book at yeah. which was me getting a Guinness World Record. And so what was it for, with, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, it's for let me see. It's right here. Let me read it. Uh, it's a certificate for the most songs to refer, reference video game franchises. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so it, it's one of those like number of doing a thing a lot of times. Yeah. Ones. So like it's yeah, it's a little weird and funny. Like basically it just puts a hey. target on my back. Like there's 130 <laughs> of these now. So if anybody like wants to aim for something, you know, yeah. go for 131 and you, got it. <laughs> you know, it's like. Oh, the guy who jump roped the most times, or yeah, know, somebody just has like, to do it one more time. <laughs> yeah, you, you just gotta want to do it a little bit more than that other person. And uh, yeah, so the guy hits me up in uh, uh, just a weird random email, like, "Hey, man, uh, I'm with Guinness, and we know you make a lot of music about video games. Just curious, how many songs do you have?" And I was like, "Uh, you got a minute?" So I started going through accounting and. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, I have 130, like about Mega Man, particularly. Yeah. He's like, oh, well, this is definitely the most songs about <laughs> one particular. He just knew it off the bat. <laughs> He's like, yeah, this is this is by a long shot. This is a record. He's like, so, you know, if you're ever in London, it's one of those things that people always do to us, you know, independent artists. Yo, if you're ever in my town, <laughs> I got you. And it's like, London? Like, how often am I in London? <laughs> so I decided, yo, what? It, how many times am I ever going to get this type of opportunity? So I was like, well, actually, I'll be in London next month. Was I going to be in London next month? No. But <laughs> I can sure make plans to. So I called all my homies. I, I put up, we set up a little mini tour in London and just made it happen, man. Like, because I was like, I got to take advantage of this opportunity. Like, yeah. you, might, you know, you might not work there, you know, next year when I want to do this. So, uh, so yeah, I just went out there for that. But we based a, a, a tour around it and had a really good time. And I'm, gl- uh, yeah. I'm glad you you we went on that tangent about the the Guinness Record Records because uh, this particular episode we're talking about just like black nerddom mm-hmm. and hip hop's relationship with things that people consider to be part of nerd culture, like hip-hop's relationship with comic books and anime and vice versa and the cross between them and stuff like that. So, what to you, what does nerddom mean? Like, well, if somebody if somebody says, nerd, you into that nerd shit, like, what do you, ima- <laughs> what do you imagine oh, that they're talking about? Man, I, I've heard that. Oh, I'm sorry, let me, let, me, uh, let me say another thing to our audience is... Um, and this is this is according to Wick, to uh, your your wiki page, but but uh, Mega Ran is one of like the forefront um, 
artists in the subgenre of nerdcore. Is that mm-hmm. would that be a fair thing to say? That would be a fair thing to say. Yes. So okay. So can you can you explain to heads what nerdcore is and how you found yourself in that space in hip hop? Okay. So nerdcore is uh, at least to me when I first heard it, it's a subgenre of of whatever you attach to it. So it could become nerdcore hip hop. It could become nerdcore rock, nerdcore whatever. Um, gets attached to that. It's usually people who have a a deep interest in things that people who may consider nerdy or a little fringe. So you got, you know, hey, uh, Mar- sorry, uh, Mar- our the co-host Mariah is here. Mariah, <laughs> what up? Good. We were we, we're only six minutes in, but I was he was just uh, telling us about. Um, what his he was explaining what nerdcore hip hop is and his journey into it. He just just started, so word up. Go on, go on, Mister Ran. Okay, uh, so yeah, nerdcore. As I learned later, at first I just thought it was nerdcore hip, but then I learned that nerdcore can attach to any other genre and anything that's about nerdiness. You know, I think uh, the term came from MC Frontalot, uh, who just came up was coming up with a, a word to, to define what he was doing because it was so different um and then people kind of latched on to that and thought it was interesting like news uh you know outlets and cnn and some other people started wind up talking to them about it like this is some novel new thing that <laughs> smart kids are doing you know <laughs> and and it kind of like backfired on it a little bit you know what i mean because yeah. it's like when the when the mainstream gets involved with those things that we really love they kind of they like look at this quirky thing you're doing, you know, <laughs> and they really turn it into a joke or a parody or something like that. So, so I feel like that kind of happened, and and for that reason, it's maybe it, it's be, remained very niche, you know. But um, but yeah, a friend of told me that it's just music from a perspective of someone who is very much into and a fan of things that you know people consider to be nerdy whether it's video games comic books coding you know uh, <laughs> like the life of at least at that time it was like the life of the it guy yeah who, who also had bars you know what <laughs> I mean? so that that's kind of what it was at that time and then it, it, it's grown you know through, as nerd culture has become synonymous with pop culture um you know there's a huge segment of nerdcore youtube rappers who are um, like right on the pulse of what's hot and like instantly making rap songs about, you know, whatever the new anime, the new TV show, the new Marvel movie, you know, things like that. And um, so, yeah, it's become kind of pop culture rap, but I think it began as just the the kids who were into the things that nobody thought was cool and, and trying to either make them sound cool or at least speak at a high level of knowledge about those things yeah you know so the initial nerdcore stuff i didn't even know what was going on in it like it just i knew if it sounded good it had a dope beat but if you're you know making a song about coding or whatever like in 2007 or whatever for me i was like what is this you know (laughs) so around that time i kind of took a break from hip-hop and started making uh, just making beats and playing around and playing video games again. And I discovered these things called emulators, which is a way to play really old Nintendo games on your PC. Okay. You know, so I started playing Mario and Sonic and all that stuff. And I was like, man, these games are so fun. And 
I think I paused the game on Mega Man and the music continues to play. And I was, as I'm walking away to get a sandwich or something, I come back and I'm like, yo, that kind of slaps. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm like, I wonder if I slowed this down, chopped <laughs> it up, you know, flipped it, I could make something good out of this. Yeah. So I did, I literally did that. I stopped, I put the tracks into like Reason or something else and started messing with them and coming up with beats that were sampling video games. And uh, I had like 10 Mega Man beats and I was like, you know what? I'm going to just do a Mega Man EP and just have some fun with it. And so we did. And I was really scared because I thought, you know, Capcom, the company that made this, is going to find me and like sue my black ass (laughs) to oblivion. You know, I was like, oh, it's a wrap. So I created. I mean, this is back in the days of MySpace. So I don't yeah. Know if I that. Now I remember. I was following you back then. So yeah. I remember. I remember all this. All right, all right. Okay. You're you're OG OG uh, internet MC like myself. Yeah. So full disclosure, so, yeah. I'm a fan. So <laughs> thank you. So yeah, man. We were. Um, I was like, let me make a separate MySpace page because I don't want this to get like deleted or something with me doing all this copyright stuff. So I made another page and I was very much inspired by like what MF Doom had done prior, uh, rest in peace, uh, what Dell was able to do with Deltron. Like all that was so influential in what I was trying to do was take, you know, hip hop heads who also are into nerdy stuff and just make it dope, you know? Yeah. <laughs> And um and so that's what I did. I was like, all right, well, I'm going to become from random then to Mega Rand, and that would be like my second identity or something. And uh, so then I get an email. It's from a dude at Capcom who's like, hey, uh, we just heard this thing you did, and I'm like, oh, uh, <laughs> uh wasn't me. No, um, that was it. <laughs> I thought it was a rap. Like the dude was like, but you know what, man, this is really cool. We've let everybody hear it at the company and they love it. So would you like to, well, I think Comic-Con was coming up and he was like, would you like to come to San Diego Comic-Con? And I was like, what? Like I had only read about Comic-Con my entire life and was such a big, like, you know, it was like that, that, that untouchable holy grail of nerddom yeah. you know, I'd read about, you know, and they were like, you could come and be our guest. You know, because this thing's kind of blowing up on the internet and we want you to kind of sit here and, you know, sign autographs. And I was like, what? You know, so that was the beginning of my my relationship with them. And uh, and through that, I, someone I think someone maybe interviewed me and was like, oh, you make Nerdcore. And I was like, what's that? And uh, that mattered, Nerdcore. And I realized that I was kind of operating parallel with this thing called Nerdcore. You know, and um, I think the only time I had heard it, or at least a little later, was Childish Gambino said it in a song, but he didn't say it in a very nice way. He said like "f nerdcore," <laughs> but honest, I think it was like a part of a line where he was just saying like different genres and subgenres and places you're trying to classify me in. Yeah, like, get all those, you know. I, I just do me, you know, that kind of thing. So not so, necessarily a shot. So it wasn't necessarily a shot, you know what I mean? Like. So, but then I started meeting the people who were doing it because they were also having concerts around San Diego, like being invited out by a lot of different companies to do stuff. And um, and they were all really cool dudes. So just like, I felt a real family atmosphere. Like, oh man, these guys are, they love hip hop. You know, first first and foremost, I wanted to make sure these guys had a, a love and appreciation for hip hop culture. And they did, you know? And on top of that, you know, 
bringing something new to the game, you know. So uh, I had nothing but but love for it. And then from then on, I just we just started all operating in the same circles, meeting up at shows, then touring together. And it just created this really interesting niche that I I had no idea about, you know, like uh, but it was a lot easier than trying to impress, uh, you know, the, the most stoic of hip hop heads who are at a show like this. <laughs> yeah, all right. But then like, yeah. Oh, sorry. I have my arm crossed. I have a scowl on my face and, um, you know, but, uh, you know, it was, it was such a welcome difference from that, you know? And, and then at the same time, I still, it took me a lot of courage to do this, but eventually when I was playing those shows with the stoic arms crossed, you know, MCs, MCs, uh, I'd make a reference to a game and they'd be like, yo, I remember that. Like, oh, <laughs> yo, this is dope. Okay, let, let me talk to you about this. And then you find out that we had so much in common. So kind of since the beginning, it's been my goal and I don't know how successful I've been at it, but to try to unify these worlds. Like, yeah. I just wish they weren't, they didn't feel like such night and day, you know, because we're we're all nerds. I think anybody that could put words together and make them rhyme is a nerd. And something, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know something. And you're using those eighth grade spelling words <laughs> to this day in those rhymes. So, like, what is your, I, I mean, I think, like, nerdcore and, like, subgenres of hip-hop like this and, and the idea of, like, of, you know, kind of tying in loosely to the idea of Afrofuturism, like, you know, that we can, we can be su- super space marauders and you know fighting aliens and slaying dragons and you know all you know all this stuff uh we're not just like oh you know 1882 like you know grow. <laughs> like we uh, we you know black people can be all of these things yes. like i think i think it's like really important for you know this kind of music is very important for expanding our ideas of what like blackness can be mm-hmm. um and i wonder if you have experienced any like pushback in the other direction like i feel like i see sometimes where people are like oh that shit's you know mad corny that shit's whack but that shit is white like any sort of like responses of that sort where people are trying to constrain what you know counts as blackness based on like who like is typically cast as like the central characters in like a subgenre like the video game culture or within like a field like coding and things like that oh yeah i hadn't even thought about it but in the very beginning the very first uh like imagery I used to create this Mega Ran universe was a black Mega Man. So it was a character that was, you know, for forever, a white kid, you know, and we shaded him black or brown. And a lot of people were like, yo, what the hell? And they they come to me and tell me that that was literally the the moment that they were like, all right, I got to check for this. Like, what is going on? You know, and they'll come to me and I've even had, you know, people of color come to me and be like, yo, like it, it made me think like, yo, why, why can't we be in that space? Like, why can't we be the protagonist? Why can't, you know, and it really created some dialogue in, in that space. And, and I know I wasn't necessarily trying to do that, but as I realized later, like, yeah, like, why can't we be the, the person in the spaceship or the, the you know, <laughs> the leader or things like that. And so it, it's definitely helped to challenge I think a lot of those roles to the point now where I see it when video games come out and it's like oh really another white dude 
Oh, right. <laughs> it's like, you know, I, I see those conversations happening. Like, and it's like, that's dope. Like, I really think that we need to be doing that. We need to be challenging all the things that we've been supporting for years, like for representation. And for a long time, it's just been in the back of our head, like throughout the 80s, especially like we love the 80s. We have we romanticized 80s culture, but the majority of 80s culture was super white. Yeah. And or super racist. Like, you know what I mean? It was like, oh, they had the Asian guy. Oh, he's the nerd. Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it was super racist and problematic, you know? But as much as we, you know, enjoy it, we forget about those moments. Like, we kind of shifted out of our head, which is crazy. But I think now we're finally starting to realize, like, yo, like, it's not acceptable to do that <laughs> today. So... You know, I've been watching Cobra Kai with a, with like a like a fine tooth comb. You know, nowadays I'm like, I really enjoy this. You know, and I like the changes that they've made. You know, to to make this, I think at least a little more accurate for modern, what, yeah, modern. You know, so I appreciate that. So between when you first were like knowingly in the nerdcore space and now, would you like have you noticed there been an increase of like other black nerdcore artists or oh yeah for sure um what we started and I, I noticed when i was going to conventions i would maybe see the same one or two you know um women men that were like trying to be a part of this space and um and so after a while we kept seeing each other i was like man we, we gotta click up like when we see each other we, we you know that's how we do we just roll deep like yo we're the black kids at the at the con you know <laughs> and um and from then, I, we started a group, and we called it the NPCs, the Nerdy People of Color Collective. <laughs> and um, and it, has, it has a cool dual meaning because in, in a game, the NPC is that non-player character. It's the person who comes up and just is like, go that way, you know, and you can't play them. They don't really help you a whole lot. They're a super bit player. Yeah. And, uh, and that's kind of how I felt POCs were in the convention space and in the nerd space. Like, yo, we're here. We support it. We spend money. We participate. You know, uh, we have uh, deep-seated obsessions with this stuff. You know, but we're not necessarily included. So, what I started doing is having NPC panels at these conventions. Like, all right, we're going to get all the kids of color to come up and talk about your relationship with nerd culture, why it's important, why we need more representation, and and to continue to challenge that 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 way of thinking because. I've had so many friends be like, yo, when are you coming to my town? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm coming to JoJo Con, you know, on this day. And they're like, oh, man, that's that white people shit. I ain't going to that. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I've had so many people tell me that, like, yeah, I ain't, mm, I ain't really doing that. And I remember being on a tour with Open Mike Eagle, and we did a convention in Canada on, like, a Saturday we had off. And, um... And I remember him telling me, like, I've never been to a con before. And I was like, oh, you're going to love it, man. All the anime that we talk about on this ride, you know, <laughs> people dressed up as it. There'll be people dressed up as, <laughs> people dressed up as comic book characters. And um, and afterwards, I was like, yo, Jeb, fun. And he's like, mm, I guess, you know. And I was like, what you mean? He's like, yo, I didn't feel welcome at all. <laughs> you know, he's like, I'm just be honest. I didn't see any people of color. I didn't see any, any programming based around diversity or anything like that. And I didn't really feel, I didn't feel it, you know? And, and it made me think like, wow, like convention spaces have a lot of work to do. And that's when, you know, we started the NPC. And now any convention I go to, I ask them like, if y'all want me to rap, then I got to speak too. 
you know, and uh, and so therefore we always make sure that it's in the programming that we're going to talk about diversity and, and really challenge traditional thought in those spaces. That's what's up. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over six million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah. Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Do you know, like, Griselda? Yeah. So Me and Steve Gun like text all the time about wrestling. It's really hilarious. I was just about to say, <laughs> but nobody would dare be like, "Oh, this is nerd." This nerdcore, exactly. Yo, yo, Conway, you a nerd, son? Like, no. it, you know, it might not it might not go well. Like, I always yeah. say, like Wu Tang. You know, like for me, the way Wu Tang loved, you know, kung fu is the way I love video games. Like. Mm-hmm. It's the same stuff. When I heard Inspector Deck say, swinging through your town like your neighborhood Spider-Man, like, I lit up, you know? And that was a moment in me. Like, the light bulb was like, bow! Like, you can do this. Like, yeah. you're not a weirdo. You know what I'm saying? And so it let me know that people were, like, we're all, we all grew up on the same stuff. And absolutely, wrestling, I, I think, is, you know, they have wrestle cons now, too. Like, conventions where people who are fans of wrestling go, you meet old wrestlers, you know, you hang out and do a promo like Ric Flair yeah. section and pretend you're commentating this match over here. Like, so uh, it's it's very similar. You know, like I said, me and me and Wes text about wrestling constantly. It's like, yo, these things, yo, did you see? You know, before and, the pandemic, he was always at the AEW in the front row and shit. Absolutely, man. So like, 
Uh, but yeah, like you said, like no one would dare call them like nerd rappers or anything like that. But so that's where I, I, I don't necessarily know where the, the distinction and the separation comes in. You know, like Wale is a big wrestling fan as well. And um, Smoke Dizza and a few other guys. And um, man, this was just yesterday. I saw Crooked Eye post um, something on Twitter saying like, when, why, he's like, why is there such a separation uh, between ner- what's that, that nerd shit and hip hop? Like, why do we treat nerdy rappers so different? And when will that end? Adding in those 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 cool cool or tough elements, I think, into the music is uh, is interesting because I think Frontalot said he's like, you know how rappers are usually the coolest guy in the room. He's like, I'm not, and therefore <laughs> that's what that's what nerdcore is. It's it's the opposite of that. It's yeah. the cool dude in the room making music, you know, and, and of course that sounds like a, something you would. You would be closeted about you almost, you know what I mean? You'd be like, "Yeah, I make a, I do a little, you know, but you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be out there, you know, but I'm, I do a little, you know, thing in my house, you know." And that's, I think, what a lot of nerdcore is. It's not yeah. braggadocious in that way. Um, but there is a guy. His name is YT Cracker, and uh, <laughs> he's amazing. Um, first of all, best name ever. But, wow. Uh, so, uh, as you'd imagine, he's a white dude. And um, but he's like a professional hacker, and uh, so he defaces websites and things. But now he's like a good guy hacker because when you get so good at that, companies will hire you, yeah, you know, to to protect them. So he's worked for Facebook and Tinder and all these other people. And um, and what he does is he calls himself a digital gangster. So in his early raps, he's threatening to like hot <laughs> you, yeah, you know what I mean? Like yo, he's like. I yeah, got your whole fam. Right. Yo, I got you. I got your address right here. You know, like I'll put you know a, a picture of a dick on your website. You know what I mean? Like, wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was like, this is the most true to self thing I've ever heard. Like, this is amazing because, like, yeah, it's like, all right, I'm not gonna say I'm gonna shoot you when I'm not gonna do it, but. but- I can get your address. Don't let me. <laughs> I'll, get, I'll give people your Facebook password. <laughs> Keep messing with me. Yeah. So I, I was. I say that to say, like, there's some of the most creative people that I've ever met without in this uh, small like genre of nerdcore and uh, chip tune and other stuff that I've been able to like find myself in these spaces where people take a Game Boy and be like, oh man, I can hack that and make beats out of it. You know yeah. what I mean? And like. You know, so these are like super smart people, super creative people who were, you know, kind of the wallflower in high school and uh, but like are geniuses, yeah. you know, and I think that there's absolutely should be a space for for that in what we do in our culture. And like we should encourage, like we were saying about people of color to be a part of that. Like we have we have folks who but unfortunately feel like it's that white people shit. And, and so they won't necessarily take that step. You know, so I, I think that it's up to, I guess, people like me and in my generation to kind of open that door. So what I, I always try to highlight and, you know, and shine a light on guys and, and gals that I see doing this that are really good at it, you know, and I'm like, yeah, we got to encourage this because it may not become the new cool, you know, ever. But I, I think that every little bit counts, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It inspires a sense of like self-assuredness in the the young gamers and the young comic book people and the young like mm-hmm. science fiction readers where it's like yo like 
I, yeah, but I like I think this is cool, and I stand by that rather than like shying away from or hiding who they are because exactly. they don't need role models that are like that are showing them, you know, how to be confident in themselves and their interests. Yeah. It's kind of happening now. I'm seeing, like, especially the YouTubers, the YouTube side of things. I'm seeing kids who are, you know, they are cool. Like, they're wearing the hippest, you know, fashions and and they're rhyming, you know, technically very well, but about anime. You know what I mean? They'll name a song after an anime or a comic book and just go in, you know. And and, um, I'm seeing, like, more and more where a lot of these kids are, like, really cool about it. You know, like, I think what we started with was something that was a little more nerdy and and shy about the thing we were doing. These guys are like very, very proud of what they do, as well as being able to say, I can also rap better than you. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that's, uh, I think that's something that I'm seeing in the, in the new generation of kids, which is really cool. So um, when does the memoir coming out? Uh, I'm hoping next week. I have copies in my hand that I am uh, shipping out to stores and things. I had a really hard time deciding how to put this out. Like I can release an album in my sleep, but yet, you know, the the world of books is, is a completely different thing. The book is available right now for pre-order on Amazon. And, uh, and so our, our future release will be next week. Um, where can people find you at? Oh, you can find me at megaran.com or on Twitter at megaran. It looks like Meg Ryan when you look real <laughs> closely, like real fast. You stare at it a little bit too long. It's like a, a capital M and a capital R. You're like, oh, was that Meg Ryan following me? No, but um, <laughs> it's, it's megaran. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll see a black Mega Man and you'll know it's me. Um, when a, or would you got any new music that's going to be coming at, shortly after the book or? Yeah, what I want to do, first we're releasing the physical books, and then we're going to do an audible version with some other like bonus little pieces as well as music sprinkled throughout. And there's going to be new songs that you can only get if you get it on audible. That's what's up. So yeah. that'll be happening in February. That's dope. Black That's History dope. Month. I have That's to right. ask y'all a question. Yeah. All right. What are, what are you nerding out on right now? Like if I was like, yo, you guys, what's the thing that you're most nerdy about? I mean, I'm really nerdy about public policy. Nice. Yeah, like, she's like a politics nerd. Week, for not even just like, oh, the government, you know, everyone's everyone's obsessed with like the federal government. But I'm like, oh, you know, how do we get funding for local nonprofits to like feed the homeless? And like, mm-hmm. oh, this this group of, you know, lobbyists are trying to get us to build a, you know, affordable housing development in this area. Like, working the local government it's just like the weirdest nerdiest thing Word. that uh, I, I just can't there's no there's not like a community of like you know I guess there is probably out there a community policy of nerds local, yeah, local I'm sure there's a community I can like vibe with but it feels very lonely policy nerds unite let's, yeah. let's get this cracking we need the policy nerds to unite uh, they, got, they gotta be out there it's no, definitely got to be a, a Facebook group or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm into I'm I've always been into movies and stuff, but I found that like in the last few years, I've really gotten super nerdy about hip hop and rap music. You know what I'm saying? And um, you got to you got you got to be on Clubhouse then. Are you on Clubhouse? No, I'm not. But I've been hearing about it. What is Clubhouse? Uh, well, it's just I've just been. Remember, I, uh, this might also be aging you guys and myself. Do you remember the party line? 
Did y'all have a party line in your area? No. no. Like you call this number and like everybody's on there just chatting. And then like that. If, you, if you uh like if you you talk to somebody and you like make a connection, you'll be like, yo, press one to send them to like a private room invite. And like this was like a real cool thing when I was a teenager. And uh so it's like that is you just get on and there's a big conference call. And like <laughs> some rooms, like last night we were in a hip hop nerdy, nerdy hip hop group with Dart Adams and Apathy and uh Soft Funk Dust and a bunch of guys telling these like obscure stories. And like the day that we found out that Doom passed, just Blaze came into a RIP Doom room and was like, Yeah, I got like seven tracks with with Doom. I would I'm gonna play a little bit of them and tell you a little bit of story. And we were like, Yo, what? <laughs> Like so, there's been really dope like hip hop nugget rooms where people have been just like sharing all kinds of like obscure stories. It's fun, man. Like you know, just seeing the really cool stuff happen in those hip hop rooms where people are just sharing stories. I'm like, yo, this is dope. I mean, of course, there's a lot of ratchetness on there, but (laughs) (laughs) but you know, you gotta sift through that for the goodness. But yeah, download the app, and if I have an invite, I'll send y'all both one. Definitely, I'm on there. I'm I'm on it. Yeah. Yeah, I, this has been an ad for Clubhouse now. Brought to you by. All right, that's going to do it for us today. My name's Dope Knife. I'm Lingua Franca. And we are waiting on reparations. Hurry up. See you next week. Waiting on Reparations is a production of iHeartRadio. Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.